0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn.
0: This week on Meet and 3, we're sipping on stories about how access, legislation, and circumstance affect what we drink.
2: I think now it's really changing that there's a growing excitement about drinks that are zero-proof and alcoholic. So it just felt like kind of a very good timing. This plant's been around for millions of years, and uh, I just think that it's so special, so uniquely uh, American and pre-American. Uh, that just should have a very prominent place in our society, you know, for a lot of different
1: reasons.
0: It is helpful to be able to sell one drink. It would be more helpful to be able to sell two or three at a time. Tune in to Meet and Three. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Today, I'm speaking with Adam Brown, founder and CEO of Circle Media, a social media strategy firm based in New York. Circle provides brands with support developing strategy, establishing community, and growing sales through paid social, influencers, email, and all that comes with it. There is a lot that's about to happen, so get your pencils sharpened, and welcome, Adam.
2: Ali, I can't tell you how honored and excited (laughs) I am to be here. This is going to be great. (laughs)
3: <laughs> um, I know it's, it's, we've been talking about this for a while and I always feel like these things are just kind of kismity because honestly, I don't even think I would have had as good of an interview with you when we first started talking. Cause I didn't really understand sort of the whole ecosystem a little bit of, of social media. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, it's now and I hope that I have good questions for you. Um, and I'm really glad you're here because increasingly I realize what an expert you are.
2: I try and I'm, I'm sure your questions are great. I've been listening uh, like a, like a madman to your episode. So I'm ready <laughs> and I, I hope I hold up.
3: So you know how it starts, right? I do. So where did you grow up? Were you always a social media guy? Like what did you want to be? All that.
2: Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in New York, not not New York City. I grew up in Long Beach on Long Island, mm-hmm. which is like a uh, surfer town. And uh, I uh, I grew up youngest of five boys. I know you have five I kids, love that. so yeah. we have that between us. Um, but my brothers are all much older, so I was almost like uh, youngest of five, but also sort of like an only child from mm-hmm. when I was ten on. And um, I was definitely not always a social media guy, but I've <laughs> always been like I've always been a gamer like a, like a, like a, like not a gamer, like I game people, but like a gamer, like everything to me has been, what do I need to do to get to the next round? I guess I grew up on Nintendo, like Super Mario Brothers and Zelda. And I just have always figured like, oh, I want to go to Michigan. Okay. So that's the only college I'm going to apply to. And what do I need to do to get in there? All right. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. Um, Do you think,
3: question about that? Because I, when you first said that, I was thinking, You know, there's also a certain personality type that and I and I think I have it 80% of the time, but that that there's a curiosity about stuff that when you look at it, like there's just a puzzle here and I just have to figure it out. And there is a way to figure it out. And it could be kind of fun doing that. Um, there's that kind of, I think helps when you're, when you're building stuff, because you don't get as overwhelmed because you're just kind of turning it into a game for yourself. Do you feel like that's also part of the gamer vibe?
2: I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. And it's literally almost probably annoyingly. So with my wife, um, everything I do. So it's allowed me to have a long career in sales and service because those are brutal, brutal businesses to be in. Um, but I look at it as a game. It's like, Oh, okay. So this person hung up on me because of this (laughs) and there's empathy for that. Or this, this person was burned by three agencies before. So it has nothing to do with me. It's just that, this is it. I love the uh, the New York background music you put in there with it's, the honking. It's
3: crazy. I, at this point, I'm just like, just. I think two episodes ago, I had two people having like a fight outside of my window, just screaming obscenities at each other. It's just of, authentic. Of it's yeah. authentic
2: New York. So look, <laughs> this is the game of New York. This is what exactly. we, we deal with sirens and honking. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like everything I do is is like that. And so what it's allowed me to do in my career has been. You know, I'm I'm really fast. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't get into analysis paralysis. I make decisions, and sometimes they're wrong, but I make more right decisions than wrong ones. And yep. I always am able to sort of move forward and and then sort of like live with that. And I'm a big believer that you know everything in life has set you up for where you are now, mm-hmm. um, and every step along the way, all the little nuances, the the growing up in Long Beach, living in the city, mm-hmm. going to Michigan, everything has set me up for that, and it's put me into a place where. Um, you know, I'm really happy playing the game that I'm in. Just to yeah. finish the answer to your question, like mm-hmm. I was in the mortgage industry for ten years. I hated that business. Yeah, that, um, how
3: did that happen? How I did mean, someone like you end up in the mortgage industry?
2: Yeah, yeah. So my my old, I have four my four older brothers. My oldest brother is significantly older, and he is uh, he went to Michigan, Brooklyn Law School. I did the same. I dropped out of law school after twenty nine days. Um, <laughs> we could talk about that later. But they, uh, you know, I went in. I graduated college during the dot com boom, and I went into sales and marketing. Right. And uh, right after September eleventh. I was sort of working my way up and my brother was like, you know what? We really need some business acumen, some sales acumen, some like real polish to come into my Long Island mortgage company, mm-hmm. start at the bottom, no nepotism, and really help me build this into like a major business. And right everything was weird after September 11th. Yeah. So I remember I started there October 1st of 2001 wow. and, uh, I did it and we grew it and it was great. And I learned a ton and I made good money and all that kind of stuff, but I just did not love that industry at right. all. And, uh, it, uh, it allowed me to pivot when we, we lost our FHA license as did like thousands of lenders. And, mm-hmm. uh, after the last great recession and, It allowed me to have an opportunity to be born again. I don't know that I would have done it. So thank God it it happened. And uh, I didn't start my Facebook account until September 2010. People think that's crazy when they meet me. Um, I still
3: don't have a Facebook
2: account. (laughs) The one thing we're going to do today is get you on Facebook. Um, But, you know, it's, uh, it's helpful because it allows you... Um, to stay current. And I think that would be my tip for you, for anyone else is right. don't allow yourself to become a dinosaur or be so insular. You got to stay current with the different things because that's yeah. how you find value.
3: Well, that's definitely one thing that I notice about you. And, and it was fun making, I don't know if you noticed that like every question that I have over the next couple of pages and 45 minutes is basically based on a LinkedIn you know, post that you wrote you know, and if, if anyone is listening, that's not following Adam on LinkedIn, which, you know, could be a substantial amount of the listeners, Adam, is it just Adam Brown? It is. LinkedIn, yeah. It, on, it is. On LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, cause I, I mean, I forward those to my friends. I forward them to my team. Um, there's always good juicy tidbits, but I, I do notice that, you know, you are you know, I heard about Clubhouse on a Tuesday and basically you had a post about it, you know, the next day, like you, you, you definitely have your finger on the pulse. I mean, much more than I do,
2: but I, I appreciate you. Thanks for that.
3: Big question. Um, so, you know, how did it come to be? Like, how did you make circle? You had, you got a Facebook account, you were a mortgage broker. You, you decided not to do that anymore. And then I mean, how did you start helping people figure out how to, you know, build their brands through social media and and thinking about strategy and all that stuff?
2: Um, Yeah. So uh, the cliff note version is I pivoted out of the mortgage business Mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to do the opposite of that. (laughs) <laughs> and at that time, Groupon and Living Social were like the big things, right. and I was like, huh why can 't I do that 's because that 's sales and marketing so that 's totally my DNA why can 't I do that for college?" So I literally branded a company, got it up and running, learned the groupon space, hired a sales team, hired some developers, and I was up and running like in five months and launched September of two thousand and ten at the University of Michigan University of Maryland, opening football weekend with Groupon for college, which was called Grub Life.
3: Oh, um, cool. And
2: it was, it was fun. I was self-funding it with my brother. I was traveling up to the schools and I was doing all this non-mortgage stuff, right. but very expensive, big cash burn. And those business models were hot for a minute and then sort of fizzled out because it didn't really offer the depth for brands. Right, and I think coming off of mortgage, the mortgage business, and you know, all due respect, I know a lot of people that are in that industry doing really well, and you know, we we had a great company and we did a lot of great business, but you know, I, I really I think sales is helping people make decisions that are good for them, and I just didn't feel like that's what I was doing for small mm-hmm. businesses. So I uh, quickly learned that while they wanted that, they were also very curious about social media, and mm-hmm. so this is like two thousand ten, eleven. So you right. had like.
3: Pretty
2: Instagram. You know, yeah, like a restaurant in Ann Arbor being like, hey, this sounds great, I've heard of this, but what about my Facebook page? Can you mm-hmm. do that too? Yeah. And then I would speak to brands like Monster, other brands targeting 18 to 24 year olds, and everyone was really jazzed up on social media and I found that like no one understood it. Like right. nobody. Yeah. Um and I said, okay, so I was on the client side for a decade. We were big marketers. I totally understand what I think makes for a good agency, and there's not a lot out there. So I know, I know I can create a good agency that cares. And then this was white space. Like, social media is something brands are never going to figure out. It just It's impossible. It's, it's so non-static right. that if you're running a business well, you can't also be good and effective at scaling social media. So I had this eureka moment of like, oh, okay, so this is something that's going to be a big need. And even if there's a lot of other agencies that will flood into it, which obviously there were, right. um, I think I could be best in class. And so I just pivoted straight to that. And I created a company called Social Net Direct, which was literally for $199, you were on Facebook, Twitter, and I think LinkedIn, uh, pre, pre-current LinkedIn, back like old school LinkedIn. Right. Um, and then $99 a month. And I sold 100, 100 businesses in the first month. Wow. And then 70% canceled after the first month.
3: <laughs> wow.
2: And again, I said, I, can't, I don't want to be in a business right. that adds no value. Like right. that has no value to a diner on the island. So right. now um, what will add value? It's filling this mission critical role of navigating social. Mm-hmm. And that was my original thesis. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job of a lot of disciplines and it's impossible to staff for with one person. That was, that was, that was the circle thesis in 2012. And it's only the same exact thesis now only gotten stronger and stronger over the years. Yeah. Because there are
3: more and more, I mean, even on Instagram alone, there are three to four channels. That's right. Like it's, it's crazy. So, okay. So you know what? We're going to take a break because I was going to start and then we were going to take a break, but we're going to take a break now. And then we're going to come back and we're just going to like start at the beginning. We'll be right back.
1: Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant based consumers in your doors with easy to use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to slash hrn. That's slash hrn. Made from plants. Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat, and it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing and Bon Appetit says, it's so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn.
3: I'm back with Adam Brown from Circle Media. Okay, so, you know, I think... You get a monthly email from me, being like, "Hi Adam, maybe we should be, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be doing our social in house." And you're like, "Okay, Allie, what do you like let let's sit on the phone? Like, what's you know what's causing your consternation?" And I'll be like, "I don't know. There's just like a lot going on, and now there's TikTok, and I don't know." And you'll be like, "This is what this is. This is what that is." And then I like get off of my anxiety platform and go, you know, try to move my myself and my team forward um but i mean i think what your your thesis is is that it isn't it shouldn't necessarily be one person's full-time job we've we've grown i think brands like mine think of you know there's operations and there's marketing and then part of marketing is social and that should be like a young energetic person who who likes to be on their phone um and that's actually completely changed uh for a lot of us because it's not just someone young who likes to be on their phone there's serious strategy there's a lot to it you know it's an all day every day um then you add on influencers and partnerships and you know that i think what you're saying is that there's a disconnect between what we think we need and what we need. And a lot of us keep bumping up against that disconnect and stressing out, but not quite ready to bite the bullet and and not have it in house because somehow that feels less personal. And I guess I wanna hear like your, you know, your thoughts about that? Because that is always what happens with me. I'm like, I don't, I'm not willing to give up control and I don't know about someone outside and do they really understand the DNA and can they use my voice and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, a lot to unpack in that. Um, <laughs> so uh, yes, uh, you do reach out to me and I hope I'm helpful. I, I think <laughs> I usually more often than not actually sell you on not using me mm-hmm. um, and you I do. Think You do, that- you always
3: tell me, I, I, you know, not yet.
2: Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of uh, our ethos is we're not we are definitely right, I think, for all brands at some point. And what I mean by that is when a brand has hit a certain um, flow and it's usually it seems to be like between two and 20 million in revenue Mm -hmm. where they've now looked at their model and forgetting everything you just said, it's more like, okay, in our model maybe now we would allocate like a full-blown, full-time salary to a social media manager or like a brand manager. Now's mm-hmm. the time. And once a brand has made a threshold decision for that, then we would usually just win the argument every day of the week because they're probably going to allocate one salary. Right. And that salary early stage is like, you know, 40K a year, right out of school, hope and pray. Right. Um, but but at, once you start like racing past 2 million, 3 million you're almost like, I kind of want more like a brand manager that maybe worked at a couple of other brands mm-hmm. or that maybe worked at an agency. So there are maybe like 26, 27. And now you're talking like 60 to 80 or 80. 100K mm-hmm. revenue you know, uh, salary. Mm-hmm. And once you get there, we come in at similar price points and we're the closest thing to a short thing because we provide all the different skill sets that I just never have found in one person. Right. So And what
3: are those skill sets? Because let's talk about it, right? Because... I mean there's 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 strategy people and then there's execution people right and and then there's creative people and then there's project management people and we always say we're kind of looking for all four of those in one person um and that's the unicorn that everyone's that everyone's searching for and sometimes you know you end up getting someone who does kind of grow into being you know that that sort of uh you know, Swiss army knife of a, of a human. Um, but I, I do think that you end up missing some stuff. So tell me the, the different things, like if I'm coming to you and I'm like, all right, listen, I'm hiring a social and community manager for 60 K a year, uh, plus a bonus, plus some equity, plus health, right. What's your pitch to me?
2: Sign me up. I'll come work for you. Um, (laughs) Seriously though, uh, did I hear a snort in there? I think I heard a snort. Um, (laughs) Nice, nice. All right, all right. Thank you. That's one snort, I'm keeping score. Um, It
3: happens occasionally when I genuinely laugh. Perfect,
2: perfect, I know it's (laughs) real. Um, All right, so first is, you know, I think it's a lot of different skill sets answering your first question. Like if you over-index and you are a creator, like you take photos, videos, and graphics, and you are just artsy and you know how to use Photoshop, you probably are not also good at all or equally good at like running Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And if you're great at running Facebook ads, you're probably not also like an influencer wrangler. Right. And if, and if you're know how to get influencers, like you probably don't know how to do And You can just list out all the different things. Like it's mm-hmm. just a lot of different sides of the brain. So right. if you think about now you're going to hire, you just asked 60, but you're going to hire someone right out of school for 45 K and throw all those things at them. You know going in as like a pragmatic human, there's no chance that they're a right. fifth degree black belt and all those things yep and for your baby, your brand, like why would you want to why would you want to give the baby to that person um, when you know from the jump they can't be successful so that's and what's like a- your
3: what's your argument to you know outsourcing social you know takes away sort of the personal connection with the community and that you know it becomes Less sort of um, yep. authentic, and because I'm sure you hear that.
2: Let's, let, it goes back to the game. There's a rub of anything. So right. I think mo- my biggest advice to founders is don't give the rub and the obvious argument to everything. Of course, there's an argument against everything. So, how do you put safety measures in place to not allow that? So, when right. we sign on a client, it's like, look, we got to get a gauge of what is Ali's speed limit when it comes to content, let's say. Some clients are a one, they don't care. They're like, we love what you do, do what you do. Mm -hmm. And some are a 10. They're like, I care, I I wanna approve everything, I'm gonna be so picky along the way. Most brands fall somewhere in the middle. So if you know that you're a brand, uh, to your question, that over indexes like eight, nine, 10 on content, feel, wanting it to feel like it's me and real, mm-hmm. then as you grow, and I think Alex Lieberman said something on his podcast the other day, I think the Founders Journal of like, when you're the entrepreneur founder, like you are, you do everything. It's like writing an essay. You, you set up the essay, you write the essay, you edit the essay, you turn it in. Mm-hmm. As you grow, you can still prompt then have somebody else do 90% of it and then then you just red pen the end. So what we do for those brands is we use Trello, we present content, we go over ideas, you bless it. We create content, you bless it. We marry your content with some, with some curated content. You bless it. We build out weeks together. You bless it. We write out copy, you pick the best one or you write it. And so Mm -hmm. we take what might've taken you many hours and we can distill it down into like five, 10 minutes a week. Right. So that you don't lose that. Outgoing. On the incoming, um, you know, most founders, uh, even like, you know, I look at almost any brand where somebody says that argument and then I'll go on their social and I'll see that they're not responding to all the comments, which is right. criminal. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like, listen, at the moment you're not responding at all when somebody says, you know, can I get your chimichurri in Texas? Right. So that that's criminal. So yeah. we're, we're gonna definitely improve that by having some standard answers that we do to maybe get them to email or get them to the website for retargeting. So there's like right. lots of different things that so we will set those rules of engagement And I think founders have real peace of mind knowing like, wow, like I really have like all the walls of my fort well protected now and I can be faster. So that's what we try to do.
3: And so for those of us who, let's say like, you know, we're, we're, we're before that, or we're still not ready, or we need to spend our resources in other places. What would you say, you know, you're not, you're not getting these brands, but how would you help them think about prioritizing? I mean, there there are so many channels right now and Instagram is the obvious one, but even we're finding out like our reels are much better than our IGTV and our static is a little static, but people really respond to the reels and the stories. And how would you help a brand? And then that doesn't even include TikTok and Pinterest and Twitter and you know all of them do you, how would you help someone sort of sort out, because we can't boil the ocean, right? Even if you have a team, it's almost impossible to be on all of them doing a good job, you know, at the same time. And there is, like you said, an art and a science to it. Like, are there science-y sort of tips that everyone you think could be doing better when they're picking their channels, when they're thinking about building out their strategy, you know, how do you, what do you advise people?
2: So I'm a, I'm a fan of going deeper than wider, especially right. if you're early stage, but I'm also a fan of like taking a breath, spending like a few hours upfront and then and thinking about what you want to have happen. Like if you could shoot an arrow into the future or three months and have it land, it would land on what and what would happen and what are your goals? Mm -hmm. So if your goals are to, you know, uh, support your Wegmans launch, Mm -hmm. then I would focus on Facebook, Instagram, Facebook and Instagram ads and micro influencers in those areas. And I would punt Mm -hmm. everything else because that's my main priority. Um, and that's where I'm going to focus my time and attention. The beauty is that content doesn't expire. So if you make some video content now for Instagram, that's great, then you peek a TikTok around the corner. Uh, I, sometimes I call it 80-20, but it, for you, it might even be 95-5. Mm-hmm. So you know, if, if you spent 5% of your 40-hour work week over five days, it's not a lot of time per day. It could be over the coffee in the morning. And you could pick whoever on your team is the most social savvy. It's probably not you, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. I didn't mean that as a jab. Like, no, no, somebody no, on the that's cool. <laughs> that you could be like, hey, so and so. I want you to spend ten minutes a day. You're going to go on. You're going to go on TikTok. I want you to look at these ten brands and just see what they're doing. Or I want you to go because I post. I post my days, uh, three sixty five days of fire every day at like six thirty seven a.m. Mm-hmm. I want you to just check out what Adam did. Then right. I want you to just go and use it. He's giving it away for free. And then can that lever up to our goals over the next ninety days? Like our uh, again that that fake scenario like supporting Wegman's northeast rollout. Right. And if you see something and they come back to you like, oh, my God, I went on TikTok today. I went on Olipop, and they did this like really cool thing where it was like the Wegmans logo, yada, yada, yada. And I, we could probably do that. Mm-hmm. Then you have inspiration. It goes to your 30, 60, 90, whatever, however, whatever goal. And then that is how you should decipher between like what we should do and what we shouldn't. If it's like totally a distraction right. and has nothing to do with your short term goals, maybe punt it. Um, but if it, if it's something that can do that, then you should focus on it. So right now, TikTok is great for awareness. It's pretty easy to do. And it's just like the algorithm is nuts. I think where most people struggle is that A, they think it's for kids and B, they have writer's block. So,
3: yeah, you just don't want to look like a, you know, like, oh, look, I'm trying to do something cool on TikTok and then have it go nowhere anyway and then feel kind of bad about the whole thing. Well,
2: like, what's cool, what's cool. Yeah. And I totally get that. And I felt the same way when I started on it. Right. But now yeah. it's like, OK, it's a different philosophy. It's actually not being cool. It's more like improv class right. In improv class. You're going to look like an idiot. So, if you right. know, if you know that game is it's OK to look like an idiot. You would say, all right, Jennifer on our team, go and find me five great examples of really early stage CPG brands on TikTok. Spend no more than 10 minutes and come Mm -hmm. back to me with them. And then you'll be like, oh, so Dream Pops did this like stupid thing where it's like a voiceover. First of all, now you'll learn like what that is. What is a stitch? Well, that's a stitch. Now you see it. Oh, and that was pretty easy. And I feel like we could do that better or funnier. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're like, all right, who's up next for the improv to go in front of the class? it's Jennifer from the Haven's Kitchen team, go. And like, you you don't take it so seriously. And then you realize, oh, wow, it's not a lot of work. It's actually a little bit of fun. And it could really scale because there's nowhere where you get better free awareness than TikTok. Right,
3: Right. yeah. No, I think, and it is funny, right? Because we're sort of like, we have to set aside a time to set aside a time to make a strategy to then think about a strategy for TikTok. (laughs) Like we just keep sort of, You know, and the thing is like the sauce has a lot of, there, you know, there's a lot of ways that it could be kind of interesting. It just, it feels overwhelming. And it's also because, you know, we're swamped. Um, And, you know, Pinterest is another one that I, I feel like we do very well actually. And we get a lot of eyeballs on our recipes. And I think it does really work for our consumer and it works for our product. You know, so to the extent ordering. that our goal is teaching people what the hell to do with these sauces, right? Because they're like, buy a sauce in a pouch. I don't understand. What do I make with it? These Pinterest recipes, videos live forever. They're not like, you know, they don't expire. You don't have to put them into stories. They're just each recipe is its own thing. Um, and I think they're, you know, they're getting a lot of eyes on them. So... But I can imagine if you were another type of, if you were a soda brand, for example, using Olipop, right? I don't know that Pinterest would be like the best place for them. Um, so do you think it's it's kind of category dependent or do you think you just try everything for everyone and you see what sticks and depending on, you know, what your priorities are, you go from there?
2: So it's all of that. And just to give an actual actionable answer to your question, it's. If you, uh, are in a position with momentum and funding like Olipop, it's all. Cause you can afford to mess yeah. around everywhere and like. You know, what people don't seem to realize is that, like, even the smaller social networks that maybe have 100 million active users instead of 200 million active users, that number is still bananas crazy. Right. Um, and it's, it's free exposure that you can get. So I think it's worthwhile. But, like I said before, picking and choosing and going deep instead of wide, especially early stage, like, you might have to punt a platform. Right. And so, again, you should pick out your goals. If you're selling e commerce as your primary goal, with a product, especially that's made in the kitchen, not not brought to you in a can that you drink. So it's like, if then, if mm-hmm. that, then you should be on Pinterest. If you are right. entirely retail and you don't have D2C, then you should not be on Pinterest.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, so that's interesting, right? So I want to talk a little bit about paid social in that sense, right? Because You know, our, I think you know this, like we did not, I did not have any Instagram ads or anything, I had no intention of that. When a year ago today, we were planning on about $200,000 worth of demos in Whole Foods across the United States. Um, That was how we were building awareness. We were, I think, either on our way to Expo West or there and getting sort of the news that we were not gonna be there. And we had to change our entire awareness, building everything, marketing everything, because we were about to be in 500 Whole Foods stores the second week of April across America. And we had no idea how anyone was going to know what the heck we were and what about if people weren't even shopping in stores because they were scared of, you know, getting sick. And, and so we just kind of, you know, started doing digital ads with an agency that I love and, you know, um, and Natalie was on here a month or two ago from Lunar Solar, but, you know, one of the big caveats that they had for us is listen, you know, since you're not a D 2 C company, it's kind of hard to track, right? You're sending people to a landing page with a store locator and you really don't know if you're converting into sales. You can, you can make some you know, assumptions, you can do some testing, you can compare regions, where you sell, where you don't, et cetera. Um, but I'm imagining that there's a different strategy for paid social for wholesale and direct to consumer. And if you're both, I'm just curious how you think about, how you think about ads that are directing people to stores and you know, the difference between that and ads that are directing people to buy directly on your own site.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm a big believer that it's all paid social. There is no more organic. And I think like I enter the game understanding that and I try to encourage my clients to feel the same. Um, so sweating whether a post or, or one post or another got more engagement or likes or whatever, if, uh, if you're not paying for it, I think it doesn't even really matter because it's so hard to get exposure in, right. with this public company that's trying to raise uh, revenue. So right. I think you should philosophically get past that threshold and know that it's all paid social.
3: Wait, so, so- I, wanna, I wanna just like hone in on that because I think that's a really interesting point and I think a lot of us struggle with it. So basically, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is that like when we're like eight people commented instead of four and we got 300 likes instead of 120 on our organic posts, you're saying don't pay attention to that. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, everything's about paying Facebook, essentially, and they're going to want they're going to emphasize the things that are getting paid for. Is that your point. That,
2: that's right. Mostly irrelevant. Now, if you right. posted something thoughtful and it and it popped, mm-hmm. I would pay attention to that. Like, wow, that we didn't put money behind that, that popped. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't sweat why did this one pop versus that one pop or I think like let's spend hours and hours on this one cuz it will pop. I think it's mm-hmm. it's it's a paid environment. People are sad about that. I don't know why. It's highly targeted, highly effective, very inexpensive and trackable. So you know, ask a marketer 20 years ago, they would give their left arm for that. That's where we are now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of brands just compare it like, well, Instagram seven years ago was killer. It was like, right. yeah, that, that was like the steroid era. That's over. Yeah. Um, and now it's like you pay to play and you pay to play and it goes a long way. Um,
3: So how much and- emphasis should we be? I mean, we you sh- we should still be posting on our organic, yeah? and yep. And still be putting some energy behind it, but you're just saying- don't don't sweat it if you don't. I mean, we we've lately there have been posts. I mean, we have thirty some odd thousand followers. We've had posts that don't even break a hundred likes, totally. and it's upsetting. I mean, yeah. it's actually we've gotten to the point where we're no longer that upset about it, but it it's bizarre. You don't know? be.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Not a lot of people are seeing it. So don't. Right. If you so g- play the game, be like, oh, I'm okay with it because no one's seeing it. Of course, right. that's why no one's liking it. So. You know, I think it's more like you are a retail first brand. I see your packaging. I know you're updating your packaging with a refresh at some point. Mm-hmm. You want people to see that. You, you Like you've said uh, many times in this podcast before, you're merchandised in all different stores depending on the store that you're in. So it is hard enough. So you need to have that packaging front and center as much as possible. And I see you sneak them into a lot of your photos. Yeah. In addition to that, you need to target people who are into cooking who also live within 10 miles of Matter of Health and so that I see that and then when I actually walk into Matter of Health, which is where I buy my food and I see your product every time I walk in, I know that it's right to the right when I walk in. That's a quick plug for your product and that's... that's where i could get it and even better here's maybe some dishes that you did post in your instagram because i am a pretty weak chef but if i saw i can grab that sauce and put it over some vegetables and some salmon and i'm good to go that's great so i think you still are putting out organic content you still are getting certain people your your inner tribe that does see it and does engage mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter if you're getting 100 or 300 likes on right. it if you're not paying to play
3: That's so interesting. It's almost, and I love this because I actually, now that I'm hearing like the through line of your whole personality from like playing Nintendo, like you're basically just saying, this is just where you kind of put the sign on the door that says like what you are, but you're not caring that much if people are like giving it a thumbs up. It's just kind of who you are and you're keeping people updated, and the people that really, really love you will smile, um, but you're not you're not caring so much and it's not necessarily where you're getting new people.
2: Yeah. I think it's conversion. So I think your feed is conversion. So if I go to, if I go, I go now, I just, I literally, anytime I can go to matter of health and get out of my house without my kids and my wife, (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm in because I like like a geek. And I know you are too. Like I love walking around that place. I have my camera out. I'm taking photos and first thing I do, and obviously I'm skewed, I work in this space, but people look you up or sometimes they just go straight to Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. wait, what is this? And right. especially for your products, so if I see it and there's beautiful stuff um, and there's, you know, you, and you already have hit the critical mass. You have the 33,000 mm-hmm. followers at this point, new followers are irrelevant.
1: Right. I think it's,
2: it's already not sending me backwards in the sales journey. It's if anything, sending me forward. Right. Um, and if there's some useful content in here, like five tips for better rice and grains or, mm-hmm. you know, some collaborations with some other brands that I might like, like nut pods and that's right. a Trojan horse for awareness. These are all smart things to do. And then I would use paid social to accelerate that reach and lasso some people in that, you know, are cooking at home more since the pandemic started and then getting the me jazzed up before I go to the store to buy. A, and I just want to answer your question about D to C versus retail. Like, yeah. So first is um, I also think you should have a fundamental belief, like a religious belief, that if I support retail velocity with my with my posts and some paid dollars and maybe some micro influencers, I believe there will be a lift in store. Yeah. You, you guys are act- you guys sort of jumped that. You went from literally a year ago. I feel like it was like right now, right? Like a year yeah. ago was um, was Expo. Uh, half my team was supposed to fly out. They all canceled their flights. Right. And you immediately were like, Oh my god, I have all this money. like let's go to d2c but given your refrigerated product it wasn't just like go ring the register d2c it was like oh let's go to a landing page And then they had to do controls to see if you had lift in certain regions versus others, right? Right. So that's smart by them. Some brands don't even do that. Some brands, and I would encourage you, sometimes it doesn't need to be a two-step, like go to my website, find my store locator and go. Sometimes it could just be fans of Sprouts that live within 10 miles that are also into XYZ who are also fans of my two biggest competitors. And I'm just going to target those people with impressions so that next time they go into a store, they're going to remember my product when they see it on shelves. And you don't actually have to send them to a store locator.
3: Right. So you don't, so you're saying you don't have to measure it as much. You just have to, it's basically building awareness, building awareness, building awareness, getting that pouch in front of eyeballs that are going to be going into a sprouts Yes. likely in the next couple months. Um, okay. So interesting. Okay. So you also talk in on one of your LinkedIn posts about, uh, user-generated content, some PGC and some AGC. I think AGC was actor-generated content. Tell me what the different contents are. I happen to love UGC. Um, I feel like people use our sauces in ways that, you know, I never thought of, and I think it's great, and it looks... They do beautiful jobs. All day, every day, I would... Be getting this into the hands of people who make content across the country, like normal people, not influencers, just people. Really? Um, but what are the PGCs and the AGCs, and what, what is your what is your uh, what is your little strategy there?
2: And Ali, look, this all goes back to my game uh, analogy or reference, like your game. Like it makes sense that your brand over indexes on UGC, right? Mm-hmm. So lean into that not every brand does your brand does lean into it now um, sometimes you don't get UGC so you got to go out and get it because it's they're really helpful for ads they really Mm -hmm. help convert people they make them feel like it's not just a contrived ad like it's a real person right so that's when you'll go out and do PGC where when you pay somebody you have leverage of like what they say what they do Uh, P stands for paid paid and a
3: generated content. Got
2: yeah, it. and the A is actor. Like there are some influencers that'll straight up be like, yeah, I do, I li- I never even heard of it before like a year ago. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, what about I'm um, like, what's your rate? And they're like, this is for influence, and this is for content, and this is for AGC. And I'm like, excuse me? Right. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> brands and they'll some big name brands that I like went in the ads library and looked up and i'm like oh that is you and they're like yeah it's like a it's like a new commercial for pennies on the dollar they sent me right. a bunch of their fill in the blank i don't want to put anyone on blast and right. i don't even think and not on blast i don't think it's a bad thing i would do it it's right. it was literally like you know it could it could celebrate male female it could have different right. walks of life it, you know and it shows like Grab the product, and it's like a literally a scripted thing of exactly what you want. Right. Maybe, maybe your maybe lunar solar, uh, you know, gives some tips. Like, yeah, if you could, if you had a user generated content of a male in his 30s that said X Y Z, that would make for a killer ad. Well, right. maybe you can go get that. So that's what AGC is.
3: So it's not a well known actor. It's just someone who does this totally. for a living. Okay, that's totally. very interesting. I think you know what I think a lot of this is also bringing up is like. And maybe this is just different for those of us that kind of, you know, the brand is a little older and I, I actually think this is, I think this is the line. The, my friends that have had food brands since sort of 2013, 2014, we find some of this unsavory and, and there, it's really something we all have to get over. We don't like paying people to use our product because that makes us feel... Like it's not natural or organic. It's not authentic. It feels smarmy. We don't like paying for ads because we feel like people should just be coming and supporting because it's a community. Like all of these things you're saying, just like get over yourself. It is the game. These are the rules. If you're on social media, this is, it's like going, it's, you know, it's kind of how I feel about when I learned about distribution. You know, and that was, you know, two years ago when I was like, but I don't understand how are they paying? How am I paying for brokering in quotes and merchandising in quotes? Like they're just they're not doing that. What what is that? And someone was finally like, that's what it is. Just no, they're not doing it. You still need to pay merchandisers on top of it. They're not necessarily opening doors for you, but that's what the number is. And that's the system. And and there are certain things in the system that you can, you know, quote unquote disrupt. And there are certain things that you just have to deal with. And once you acknowledge that those are the rules of engagement, you can play it in a way where you're not constantly feeling bad or angry. Or yes. you know. Yes. And I get it, I get it, I get that that's what you're saying. Very interesting. Okay. That's right. I wanna go back to the wholesale partner thing because I do talk about this I think sometimes on the pod. And while I, I know that there are a lot of companies that are, you know, digitally native and they're gangbusters on digital, a lot of calls I get are from companies that are digital that are trying to figure out their wholesale strategy. And they're a little bit shocked that they have to do promotions and they're a little shocked that they have to do targeted newsletters saying, like, we're now available at Wegmans or at the fresh market. Um, there's there's a little bit of like but wait i'm already paying for them to have me on the shelf to some extent and the margins are different why do i have to do all of that um do you ever find that with some of the brands that are sort of going from digital to wholesale
2: yeah of course there's like i said the game is the game there's a rub to every single game i believe if you're building a brand like I know that you are, like I know a lot of the founders that have been on this podcast are, and you believe it in your bones, then you can say, you know what, I can acquire any customer at anywhere for X, like figure out mm-hmm. what that dollar is. And it might be in the beginning that you even the playing field until you get to a certain critical mass. What I mean by that is like, you know, depending on who I talk to in any given day, it's crazy. I could have back-to-back calls one brand's long on Amazon all day. They have a, they have a mall. Why should I worry about my own storefront done? Mm-hmm. Then the next guy, Oh my God, Amazon's the worst. They keep everything. I go with my own website and that's right. the best. And my mar-. And the next one's like, hell no, I'm all about retail. And it's right. like, it's like all <laughs> over the place. So I'm a big believer in omni-channel. And I think it's like, listen, like if you have so much more margin on your website, Maybe pretend like you're getting the same low margin that you do at retail or the same low margin that you get at Amazon to get to do some fun stuff and get like weird with it for your product that might be, All free shipping for anyone that does X, Y, Z. For retail, it's like, man, I got to do all this stuff. It's like, well, yeah, but you're getting shelf space in Wegmans. Right. So if your product is super dope and they're going to love it, then believe in lifetime value. And so if you're marketing and sending influencers and doing that, then if they like it, especially when you have multiple SKUs, if I try the chimichurri, I might like one of the other ones. And maybe I would go check out your website, potentially buy it directly from you if there was value, um, or go back to the store and buy it. So I think be okay with it if you believe in your product that you'll get a second, a third crack at the bat.
3: Yeah. And in terms of supporting wholesale partners, so we're launching a new sauce in April in Whole Foods and Fresh Direct um, across the country on Whole Foods. And I... I'm right, literally right now in the middle of making a deck that I'm sending to my Whole Foods global buyer saying, here are all the things we're doing to support our launch. Um, And I'm curious what you would want included in that deck.
2: So I think Olipop did something cool. They actually posted it on LinkedIn. It was like, here is our Wegmans deck where we showed the buyer how we're going to support retail velocity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, just like search for it and you'll find it or I could send it to you, obviously. Um, And it's something that we do for all of our clients. So it's like, all right, buyer, here is how we are going to underwrite the relationship. Here's the ads that we're going to run. Here's the micro and nano influencers we're going to send into your store. Um, What are the key stores and doors? Sometimes the buyer will tell you, like, look, we're buying you in this region. But it's really like, you know, Boca Raton, Florida, Tampa, and Orlando. Those are key. Sometimes they won't tell you, but, like, you can at least ask. Um, So it's like, you know, underwriting it, small ball blocking and tackling type stuff. They love sending influencers in. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, wow, you like, and that, that goes back to my thing. I, I didn't actually respond before about the influencers. You're like some of my, you know, other co-founders, uh, other founders that started in 2013, they're like, they're like, yuck, I, I hate this. <laughs> or so some people are so binary. They're like, no to influencers. Like that is a crazy town to begin with. But yeah. specifically for this, it's like, wait, if I could have 15, 20 small local influencers and in whatever that Whole Foods region is, go grab the products post a photo from it in your store, in the um, parking lot, putting it in their car. And with your product, it's not like they can like open it and drink it, or I guess they could, but like.
3: They could if they really were fans, yeah. That
2: would be really weird. But like they could take it, take it home, cook with it and do the whole 360 story. Right. And then make sure that all of those are gonna be tagged to Whole Foods. And then we're gonna whitelist and run ads on all of those accounts saying in partnership with us, but specifically for you. So those are literal ads that I'm going to run, which are like now sort of like the 3.0 version of some of the ads requirements that they used to give you Mm -hmm. uh, or some of the demos. You're probably a demo-heavy brand, right? So like, right, you were, right? So like now it's like, oh, I'm not going to do that, but here's how I'm going to accomplish that. And then you could get weird. Like, Ali, you could do like, you know what? When I launch in your store, I'm going to go on on Zoom and I'm going to do a 24-hour Zoom of cooking stuff. (laughs) that's in your store with right. your logo at the bottom. And I'm just going to like not stop like old school, like old spice commercial. Like Maria
3: Abramovich.
2: Just, yeah, just got, yeah. like really weird. <laughs> and they're like, wait, you're going to do what? And I'm like, yeah, that that's literally what I'm going to do. Um, you know, something that could be like a little bit out of the box. What I think you also could do is find Mm -hmm. you should leverage your network. So find some other founders that are also in those stores right? and maybe do a, everyone does these like 12 days of Christmas giveaways instead of that do when you launch, whatever the date is like on May 1st to May 20th, I'm going to do a different collaboration with a different brand that's on your shelves. And uh, the goal is going to be find X, find Y, win this, go to your store. And maybe each one will have a $25 gift certificate that will underwrite to your store. Yeah. And those kind of things every once in a while, Whole Foods might just share. Um, right. And then you get exposure.
3: No, that's, that's amazing. It's, it really is incredible, too. Like, I, I mean, some of this, you know, we do in our own way. Some of it we've done without kind of like putting words to in a way. Um, but it, I think, I think the, the big hurdle that I got over a while ago, I mean, really early, cause you have to, when you are a sort of like retail first brand is that just getting the shelf space is, it's almost like nothing. Like it, it literally, it's, it's kind of like, that's step one out of step 360, right? For sure. Um, okay, so do you consider, you do consider email part of social media, yeah, or no?
2: Not really, but I think they're just, I think they're just so interconnected. Right. So I because and you so talk about them. Yeah, brands hire me, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, so that's going to include email? I'm like, no, like, it's going <laughs> to include what you could imagine in your brain a social media manager would be like an assassin with. And I don't, right. think, I don't think that's email marketer. I think that's right. a little bit outside their pay grade. Now, we dabble in it for a lot of brands and we have email services that we do separate from our social media retainers, because right. I think they should be all hand in hand uh, and they should all run together from a branding point of view. And I'm just a big buyer of email and SMS yeah. and they're both communications vehicles. So even though it's not a social network, I think it's all about like the blocking and tackling comms of a brand.
3: Okay, you mentioned SMS, this is another one, like TikTok, where we're like getting ready to get ready to get ready. Um, I don't want to blow it. Like the difference is like TikTok, you can kind of do something, no one sees it, it's kind of lame, whatever. SMS, I do want to do right. Um, And I understand, I mean, I read your thing, learn about it, don't just assume it's annoying because you don't like to receive them. If you get, you know, if you're getting genuinely educational, helpful content, which I think we can give, um, especially helping someone like sort out what the hell to make for dinner tonight. Right. Then it's something, it has a massive open rate and like a conversion. Is that correct?
2: That is accurate.
3: Okay. Um, and is that part of a social strategy?
2: Not really, again, if, right. if, if and when we do that, we refer people out to like Postscript or one of these other companies that, that we work with. But we, we at Circle have a standing call with our Postscript rep every Monday and he'll just like spit tactics at us. And that, so that's what I would encourage you, <laughs> like have Postscript get on the phone with you and right. say, instead of like your general demo that I'm going to fall asleep on, I want you to give me like five comp brands examples. I want you to show me what they did. Mm-hmm. So that I can see it like a smart human, but not as like a social media ninja, what you mean. And then you'd be like, oh, oh, okay. And now that I see it, I get it. Or in one of my 365 Days of Fire, I put in um, reallygoodtext.com. If you go to that website, you can just see without like a salesman in your face, like a postscript you know, type person where you can just mm-hmm. like look around. And you'll see like Chipotle and that's not a comp, but you'll see other brands. You'll be like, oh, oh. Okay. Oh, I I could see how we could do that. Um, And then small ball, like when you have a tribe of people that love you, they could reach out to you. When you have people that are tagging you in UGC, you could respond with a DM like, hey, you're always tagging us. You should sign up for our SMS because every Friday Ali sends out a recipe. And I'd be like, dope, I I would love that. And that's how you get like a little community and then you're just Mm -hmm. adding value doing what you're already doing.
3: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Okay, tell me what you see a lot of us doing wrong.
2: You're brand specific or brands in no, general? No,
3: no, not my, <laughs> I mean, we can have that conversation we'll that also. Later. I don't know if I want to have that like, yeah. right now, but we'll, yeah, we'll I mean, later. in general, what, yeah. what? That'll
2: be the after party. Yeah. Um... Super.
3: That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just
2: kidding. Um, So I definitely think brands sleep on community management. So Mm -hmm. we've always said content engagement and growth are three pillars, and so engagement's that middle one. And it's definitely the one that, like, people, like, throw to the side. It's, like, they over-index content or they over-index, like, ROI and ROAS and, like, performance and all that. But the secret sauce, uh, pun intended, is the community (laughs) management and engagement. That's where people are not doing a good enough job and that's a colossal miss and something that's easy to fix.
3: Okay, so let's talk about that. That means when someone comments on your thing, you comment back. That means when someone DMs you, you DM back, but does that also mean going out and con- and commenting on 50 other people's things a day or like what do you what do you mean exactly? So like can what, be, what are we failing at?
2: Can be both. I think the second one feels a little bit more salesy, cheesy, uh, like you're encroaching. But mm-hmm. again, you know your brand ethos. You know your DNA. You focus on that a lot and other founders do as well. Mm-hmm. So here's what that would look like through the fa- veil of Sanzo or through the veil of Olipop or through the veil of Haven's Kitchen. Like we would never be cheesy, cold calling random people. but we might go to people that are posting beautiful recipes of Turkish dishes, I'm making this up, uh-huh. and, and we believe that this specific skew of ours is perfect for that. And we'd be like, oh my God, that looks delicious. Have you ever tried it with a tahini sauce or right. whatever it is? Right. And that kind of a person is not gonna feel like, oh my God, you're selling me. They'd be like, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought about that. So, and then there's an engagement opportunity to potentially send them product to try it or pick it up at the store, let me know or whatever it might be um, as a way to do it. The first part, yeah, it's response, definitely public facing, responding to everything. And the way to look at it, Ali, is like this, like, it's like the the gold miners in the 1800s that went to California and they Mm -hmm. went, they sat in the river, like sifting for gold for weeks. And then they found Mm -hmm. that piece of gold. And then they threw it back in the water. That's to me the, the same as <laughs> somebody actually was like, hey, can I eat this? I'm allergic to sesames. And you didn't respond.
3: Right. Or yeah. are you
2: available at Wegmans? And you ghosted them. Like that yeah. is just criminal. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest <laughs> area that brands are missing.
3: Okay. That's amazing. And you've definitely brought up a couple brands that you think are doing it well. How would you synthesize the ones that are doing it really well. Like what would be the thing, you know, what ties that all up in a bow? Like who gets an A plus or not even who, but why would someone get an A plus?
2: Brands that are just doing it. They're just like consistently supporting their sales channels. They're supporting content. They're putting their brand out there. I always put Aloha out there and it's not a product I've ever used, mm-hmm. but I just think that they're kind of always doing it right. Um, I think Smart Sweets, and I know you didn't ask who, but I, I just yeah, kind of dig what they're up to. Uh, everyone loves Alipop. I think yeah. there's a reason for it. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just they just, they're just jamming. Mm-hmm. Um, but not every brand is like that. I just think it's like, you know, I wouldn't sleep on community management. So I always look at you're like, I'm like a doctor when brands come to me. I don't do a lot of research, but five minutes before the call, I quickly look and I'm like, all right, what is the patient presenting? Okay, so mm-hmm. they're not doing community management, so it's probably a photographer or an intern. Mm-hmm. They're only posting beautiful photos, which means they probably have a, create, a founder who's creative, or they're outsourcing to a photographer, but there's no depth. Mm-hmm. Um, if, they're, if I go in the ads library and it's empty, I'm like, okay, they're missing the boat here, they're not running ads. So right. the brands that are doing it right are definitely running paid social ads at all times. Mm-hmm. They're definitely supporting all their channels, not just D2C.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they're definitely putting out diversity of content and not all just like pretty pictures. Right. And I think they're okay and comfortable in their skin being salesy, especially since COVID, like push the hell out of your retailer if that's your main uh, foothold or push D to C. Um, but give me a reason for you, that would not just be your product. It would be recipes, Q and A with you, stuff like that.
3: Right. Oh, let's have a second of about that, because I do get a lot. Why aren't you out in front more? Um, People who've listened to this for the last couple of years have actually heard me struggle with this quite a bit. Um, And I get it. People want to know the person behind the brand. I think from an identity perspective, we just want we just we want you to be the champion, not us. Like we want the home cook to feel like they are the star, and we're just there to support. I I understand that for some brands, like having the founder tell their story and da 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 da, da that's important. It it doesn't feel totally aligned with me or the brand, but I'm curious about your thoughts.
2: I think you're a tweener. I think you can accomplish both, right? Okay. Like you can empower the home chef or the wannabe home chef. Mm -hmm. But why should I listen to you is more important than like your average beverage or whatever. Right. So I think you'd be, it's a huge miss for your brand specifically to not, you are a media, I know you you joke, you're not on Facebook, you're not so tech savvy, but like you're a media company yourself. Everyone is a media company. You are already one. Mm -hmm. I'm on your podcast right now. Right. So it's not like you're like a recluse and you're hiding somewhere. And you're <laughs> I don't like,
3: live in a year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like you're down. So like right. don't don't be so binary. The in between is mm-hmm. well. Why would one somebody want my email? Somebody want my SMS? And why would somebody buy from me where it's more expensive and I have to ship it to them and go to the store?
3: Yep.
2: It's because they're getting value and they're seeing my journey as a founder, as a woman, as a boss, as a leader, somebody who has failed and succeeded, like, how could you not leverage that? Like, why would you leave all six of those golf clubs in your bag? Just setting yourself up for failure.
3: Right. Or all five of my children in my bag, I think is,
2: yeah. Yeah. And for you, you just, it might not be show off your children, show off your personal life. It's not that. It's more like, yo, I am here. I'm in the kitchen, just like you. Right. I experiment just like you. And here is just flavorful goodness. That you can put in your body and not feel like you're compromising with a bunch of crap from a big, you know, conglomerate brand. Yep.
3: Yep. Amazing. All right. Is there anything you want to leave with? Because I feel like you left it all out on the field. This was amazing. I took a lot of notes and I actually went off of my paper and into my book which only happens on certain occasions. I, am, um,
2: I can't see you, but I'm like, <laughs> um, first of all, I'm blushing right now. I'm so happy.
3: <laughs> that I went off the paper into I, the notebook.
2: I love that. Yeah. yeah. I always want to try to add max, max, max value. No, I know
3: um, you do. You do. Okay. So for people who want to find you, we, your LinkedIn is a, is an amazing place where you are really sharing a lot and, and, you know, you've broken it down. You have turned it into like, you need a, you know, you need to know in which room with professor, whatever, (laughs) with the knife, you know, like it it is a game. And here are the things that you need to solve in order to win, which I think is amazing. Um, If people want to, you know, founders want to reach out and they think they can use your help. How do they find you?
2: Yeah. So Adam Brown on on LinkedIn, you'll find me for sure, especially the CPG algorithm. Like I seem like I'm everywhere. It's just because of this (laughs) small community. So you'll find me there. Adam B at circle.me is my email. I answer everything. Um, And we are at Circle Media. It's always with an S. It's social circle combined. That's where we came up with Circle. Circle Um, We're at Circle Media on all social handles. And just to answer that that last question you gave me, Mm -hmm. we only have one at bat. And I look at it that way in personal and professional life. So, like, don't squander opportunities. Play the game, and by being playful with your game, yeah. challenge because I'm competitive as hell. Like, it allows you to be competitive, but also have fun,
3: yeah, and, and not and enjoy it so yeah. seriously. Yeah, and enjoy yeah. this
2: journey. If you're going to be successful, what a shame to not have enjoyed part of the journey along the way.
3: Yep, yep. No, I think I, I, I have to say, I, my dad. I don't think I've ever talked about my dad on this show, but my dad has that kind of make it into like when I couldn't get a better grade, he's like, turn it into a game for yourself, make it into like different levels that you have to like jump on. And it's, it's such a great way to be because it takes out a lot of the personal sting. And, and this is a, this is a, this is a painful business. You know, you are getting rejected all the time. Totally. Um. So to, to be able to turn it into like, okay, you know, I just got to get to the next level. I got like, wah, wah. now I have to like <laughs> start again. Um, it's very helpful. So,
2: a lot of sound effects on this episode. I know, um, the snorts
3: and the honks and the thing. But, you know, it. I'm inexpressive. Um, Adam, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, couldn't come in at a better time. And um, Amanda, thank you for engineering. Thank you for letting me go a couple minutes over This is important stuff. Thanks Um, for
2: having me. Yeah. I appreciate it.
3: And listeners, um, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have lots of fun guests coming up in the next couple months. Um, Always looking for ways to just support you and help you build your companies. Um, And I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast.